And the reason I really like that is it's, it's really compressed and it has a lot of the like intensity aspects that I like to military training. Yeah. And because you can really, you know, learn a skill and get to the point where you have like a portfolio of some things within a couple of months, you can sort of come up with these career hypotheses, hypotheses, and then evaluate them uh, quite a bit quicker. Today I have on Sean McBride. He's a former army officer turned software engineer. He's now a senior developer at Decipher Technology Studios, where he manages the implementation of tons of their technology products and works with some of the junior developers to get them up to speed on what they're working on and help them develop their careers. So Sean, thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me. I'm uh, reporting here from my man cave and in my home. I've got <laughs> man cave I see like, that. up there. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So you already looked at a lot of the questions I have. Uh, yeah. Is it okay if I just get right into them? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, so the first question is, what are you working on right now that you're most excited about? And why is that? Oh man, that's tough. There's a lot of stuff to be excited about. So um, at Decipher, I have basically kind of two projects I'm on right now. One of them is actually a kind of a contracting project for the DoD. Okay. And we're working on software that basically allows uh, S2s to get um, intelligence briefings about like counter proliferation for nuclear, biological, chemical type stuff. Oh wow. Um, so that's, that's pretty neat. I feel like I get a little bit of, uh, get my feet wet a little bit. So with the military stuff, um, yeah. but what's really interesting, what I'm really excited about is what I'm doing on the product side and we're building out software to basically leverage artificial intelligence to manage like it infrastructure a little bit more smartly. Okay. Um, so I'm learning a heck of a lot about, uh, machine learning algorithms and all sorts of really nerdy stuff like that. Oh, wow. Okay. Is that, is this for the, it was called like fabric or gray yeah. matter on right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's a gray matter product at decipher technology studios. Yeah. So like here in where I'm at in Northern Virginia, I think yeah. like a lot of the startup companies, they start out by working with government. Yeah. And then it's kind of like, Everyone, everyone wants to go for those VC dollars yes, and yeah. to do that, you got to move into the product side. And so we're in the middle of that, that kind of pivot right now. Oh, okay. Okay. And that, that is your main product, gray matter. It is gray matter. Yep. Okay, great. And people can check that out at the Cypher Technology Studios. I uh, looked at the product page, 90% of it went way over my head. So we're not going to get into that. Uh, yeah. So, okay. So that's where you're at now. Are you the senior developer at Decipher? Or are you one of the senior developers or how does that work? So I, there's a couple of us. Um, so I'm, I'm basically the lead front end software developer. Okay. Um, so I do mostly like react development, yep. making really pretty data visualizations, yep. stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, I work with a lot of like art school type kids. Okay. Um, which is, which has been kind of a fun culture clash a little <laughs> yeah. bit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we totally have like some serious, seriously smart, like Cornell computer science, data science type people too, who, who are like, you know, way beyond me. Yeah. Uh, but I'm, I'm definitely more on like the user experience side and okay. that, that kind of stuff. Nice. Nice. So a very diverse, diverse development team. Uh, yeah. Okay. So that's what you're working on now. 
life wasn't always so great though. <laughs> we're going right, right. yeah. to go back to the, to the, uh, your background a little. Could you talk yeah. about your background a little, uh, I guess like where you grew up and how you got to this point? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Abbreviated. Yeah. Um, so I, I grew up in Northern California. Okay. Um, I know you're from Southern California, no hard yes. feelings there. Practically okay. different state. Yeah, <laughs> different state. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I grew up in a town called Fairfield, which is like halfway between Sacramento and the Bay area. Okay. And it's right next to a air force base called Travis air force base. So like a lot of time when people are like going to Korea or whatever, they kind of go through there. Um, so growing up there, I had a lot of exposure to technology and the Silicon Valley stuff and the military. And so yeah. it's kind of a weird hybrid mix. And both of those influences kind of played out in my life. Yeah. Um, so like when I was in, in high school, I was in both junior ROTC and I had a part-time job doing like IT tech support to like oh, pay wow. for my car insurance. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so uh, did that. I graduated uh, high school in 2003. And um, I would say like September 11th, when I was in high school and thinking about colleges and stuff, had a pretty big influence on me. And that ultimately led me to decide to go to West Point. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you're, you're at the academy. I saw you did ridiculously well in, uh, it was German history and minor in computer science. Right. Yeah. So you always had an interest in those. Uh, Definitely a good student. Um, and then you graduated and you were in the pipeline for a while to be a, it was an aviation officer. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I, um, okay. definitely, uh, like a lot of West pointers, you want to kind of go into a combat arm. <clears throat> and so it's kind of like, okay, which combat arm seems most appealing to me. And out of everything, I thought aviation was a good kind of combination of kind of the technical stuff. Yeah. Um, so decided to go down to Fort Rucker for flight school in route to Fort Rucker. Um, I went through some different training, um, and basically I got down there and unfortunately wasn't able to get medically qualified to, to fly. Um, and so I did a lot of extra duty assignments. Um, I, I'm sure everyone's kind of familiar with, with all those things. All the military guys. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, all, yeah, all military. So for like 18 months, I, uh, was, was doing things like, um, making sure like people are posted and doing guard duty, yeah. uh, staffing out like funeral details. And so like low level yeah. administrative tasks basically. Oh yeah. Definitely not what I was expecting. Yeah. yeah. And again, uh, this is because you're in training to be, you're going to be a pilot, but then because of some, you know, issue with the, the medical qualification process, they were just sidelining you at this point. Right. Yeah. So it's kind of like, am I going to get in? They're like, maybe uh, we got to kind of go through this medical appeal board process. Yeah. And then ultimately, like after 18 months, uh, the army's like, you know, thank you for your service, but here's your D214. Good luck to you. And then, um, the, get out. yeah, right. And then, uh, yeah. of course, like I'm, I'm driving back out to California to yep. crash with my parents, figure out what's next. Yes. I'm listening to NPR and they're like, this thing is happening. The economy is imploding. It's December, <laughs> 2008. And it's like, Oh boy. Okay. This is great. Perfect. <laughs> great timing. Yeah. Yeah. So man, it sounds like a lot <laughs> happened in that first year. Um, I know you said you, you ended up 
moving out to get together, you know, full time with your girlfriend, now wife, uh, yep. you applied and got into a PhD program at Georgetown for, yep. you know, a PhD study in German history, yep. or excuse me, it was just history. And then uh, between that point where you were, you know, out of the army, headed back to your parents' house, and then back, you know, on the East Coast, uh, going to school at Georgetown, yeah. uh, in there somewhere, I'm guessing, or maybe it was before at Rucker, there was like a low point. <laughs> when was that? Like what, when oh, was boy. that? When was that point? <laughs> yeah. So I'm kind of like trying to grow some facial hair right now. And yeah. the last time that I did that was probably my, my low point. I've got a picture of myself <laughs> doing the factory tour of the Jelly Belly factory in my hometown. Yeah. Which is probably yeah. the most famous thing for my hometown. Yeah. And my beard is like, ah, like, like yeah. rah, rah, Rasputin kind of thing. Uh, yeah. And so, yeah, definitely in, in um, 2008, 2009, it's kind of like, you know, I, I was expecting to be an aviation officer and be in for many years and not have to really worry about kind of major career planning. Things happened and I kind of had to kind of figure it out. And so it's like I started just getting like, what color is your parachute from the, the library? Yeah. Um, at the time, my parents were going through getting foreclosed on in our house. So there's a lot of other stressful kind of stuff going on. Yeah. And so, yeah, it was just, uh, I would say that that was pretty much, pretty much the low point. I had, didn't really have direction. I felt kind of like a little bit of a failure back crashing with my parents in my like high school bedroom. It's like, this is totally not what I thought I was working towards. Um, and so it's like, I, That's wild. yeah, right. Yeah. So <laughs> Thinking I, you're going to be like flying helicopters as an aviation officer to like your back to your parents. I can, I can't imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely big, big bummer. And it's like, and so I, I totally, um, I see other people kind of get, go through that process where it's like yeah. early on, you think you're on a certain trajectory and yes. you kind of the rug pulled out from under you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so like, I would say the pos- positive from that is, it's definitely forced me to step up my, my emotional intelligence and be a little bit more empathetic to folks. It's like, I mean, it sucks to have that happen at the beginning of your career, but um, you know, I, I think people are generally pretty resilient and I, my, my trajectory since then has kind of proven that you can bounce back and have totally have a, have a good career you can be proud of later. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it seems like you're, you know, in a very, very enviable spot. Um, you know, especially for anyone looking to get into engineering, at least from my point of view. Uh, so, you know, that happened. Uh, how did you, I guess, I'm not sure where along the process you would have thought, you know, I'm back on track now, but how did you dig yourself out and get, you know, back on the track that led you to, to where you're at now from there? Yeah. So, um, so you mentioned that I like did this, this, uh, history PhD thing. Yeah. So the, basically the reason I, I did that besides obvious, obviously loving history and I've got mm-hmm. like a bunch of history books just outside of view here, but, uh, um, I, I was applying for jobs. I was going through, I think Bradley Morris and a lot of those military headhunter type things. Yeah. And I, you know, I honestly wasn't having a lot of success in 2009 for the most part. It's oh, like yeah. if, if people are trying to hire military folks, they're like, it's like, okay, tell me about your company command experience. Tell me about this. Tell me about that. Yeah. And so it's like, Oh, uh, you know, <laughs> I did admin details at Fort Rucker. So yeah, like, yeah. Get out of here. <laughs> get out of the office. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, that's rough. yeah. So 
um, I, I did basically the PhD program for a year, which is kind of like, I wasn't sure if that'd be a great fit, but it, it at least gave me a little bit of structure and I had a stipend yeah. um, as a PhD student, which paid my housing and stuff. Um, a year, year out from that, I'm like, you know, this, this history stuff is a better hobby than a job. Like yeah. Most of those folks going to humanities, PhD schools aren't really getting, getting hired. Yeah. Um, so at the time, my, my um, fiance uh, had an opportunity to move to Chicago for her professional stuff. So I thought, hey, I'm going to up, move and join her. Yeah. yeah. And so we, we got married, moved to beautiful Oak Park in Chicagoland. Nice. And uh, that's really when I, I started the path to move into technology at that point. Um, so I connected on LinkedIn. Um, I read the Reed Hoffman uh, LinkedIn networking book. I where it's like a startup of you. Yeah, there we go. That's, that's pretty it. good. That's pretty good. I yeah. like his ABZ planning concept is really, I think pretty good. Yeah. So I, I started, I went through that. I started executing, started networking. I met a, fabulous Naval Academy grad. I'm okay. a little biased against the Navy sometimes. Yeah. But he's one <laughs> okay. of the best. Um, Ray, Ray Triggs dad, he was actually okay. a helicopter pilot in the Navy. Mm-hmm. And so he, he um, runs the Illinois Tech, um, like basically the technology program. So yeah. he, he was able to walk me through the process of applying, get accepted. And that was, yeah, that's basically what, what started it for me. Nice. Okay. So you went into Illinois tech and then mm-hmm. I saw that I'm not sure how much this played into your trajectory, but I saw that you went to full stack Academy. Yeah. I guess that was after or before. And was that, uh, in Chicago, did you go to the on-campus one and do all that? So, uh, like for me, the full stack mm-hmm. ended up basically being, uh, an opportunity for me to invest in my, like my skills portfolio later. Yeah. Um, so like a lot of the first kind of technology jobs I was doing, it was more kind of consulting and sales engineer type positions. Yeah. Um, and gradually over time, I just was more attracted to less the managerial or, or consulting aspects and more like the technical. So every year I've just kind of gotten a little bit more, more nerdy, more engineering centric and kind of let some of those other soft skill stuff go. Yeah. And um, why is that? Is it, you just prefer the engineering or what about it made you go in that direction? Yeah. I, I think it's just kind of a, a temperament thing. Like for, for me, I've, I've discovered that I, I really just like the intellectual stimulation and the problem solving aspects. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I get that from definitely like software engineering, most of all. Mm-hmm. Um, and after doing kind of consulting and sales around products that I didn't always think were the best, mm-hmm. being able to really build what I think is like really good and really like solves customer business problems stuff is just, it's like super rewarding. Um, so full stack what was part of um, allowing me to move into those sorts of positions. I see. Okay. Yeah, because I do see that you did. It looked like some consulting and IT yeah. consulting slash sales. And okay, so on your LinkedIn, I see that it started in like 2011. Yeah. You were in at IBM. And was that a purely IT consulting role or what What were you doing at that point? Yeah, so I basically was uh, 
hired as a, as a sales engineer. Okay. And so it's kind of like we, IBM has a lot of sales folks. They hire at an MBA programs and things like that. Yeah. And for the most part, those folks don't have business backgrounds or focused on relationship building. They're focused on understanding like the client's business needs and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so uh, as a, as a sales engineer in particular, an architect, I would basically work with, work with the, the business focused folks and be like, okay, what out of IBM's consulting software and hardware portfolio can we leverage to solve like problems for our clients? And I, oh, so yeah. I had like the state of Illinois, I had like target um, and the Mayo clinic as like my initial set of, uh, of clients basically. I see. I see. So, so IBM had this whole suite of products it, you were kind of tasked with, you know, looking at the customer needs and being like, how can we mod these as little as possible and fit them on that problem? Yeah. Right. And so it's, it would be like, okay, we need, we, we need some business analytics here. Mm-hmm. And so I know the, the specialist for that, let's bring them in. Here's some architectural diagrams that show how this would all tie together with the customer's infrastructure. Um, that, that kind of stuff. Okay. That makes sense. Yep. And then, and then from there you went on to work with the federal aviation administration. Is it? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Right. And then, and then into what you're doing now with the cipher, how did that transition happen from being a sales engineer to getting into work on these, these projects for the FAA and now where you're at with the cipher? Yeah. So it's definitely been, been kind of gradual and that's really one of the cool things about working at a place like, like IBM yep. is that you can, have a lot of flexibility with, with what your career path is within a single company. Yeah. And so, um, I built up a pretty strong reputation for my engineering prowess and that basically allowed me to move from being directly assigned to sales teams to providing above region global engineering support. Mm-hmm. And, um, when I, when I did that, I was, I was working on IBM's cloud computing software mm-hmm. and that then allowed me to gain experience, the experience I needed to be the, the cloud architect at the FAA. So it's like a lot of kind oh, of like wow. small little course corrections, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's kind of interesting because I think that's, I don't know if, you know, this was a case 20 or 30 years ago, but I think regardless of whether you're an employee or, you know, freelancer or working contract basis, that's kind of an attribute of the job market nowadays. And I feel like that's only increasing, you know, there's so much flexibility in if you have a set of skills, you know, adding onto those skills to the point where you can then kind of do a different job for either the same company or another one, you know, whether it's, I guess, uh, interviewing at your company or, you know, putting yourself out there on the market to do side projects in that field you're trying to work for. I feel like that's uh, becoming a bigger part of the job market. Yeah. At, at this point, like I kind of think of everything in sort of like two year, oh, it's almost like two year assignments kind of thing mm-hmm. where it's, it's like, you know, in two years, it's hard for me to understand exactly what my role might be and what yeah. the, the capabilities are. Yeah. But I, I try to regularly look at kind of where all my skills are, soft skills, hard technical skills and things. And where am I investing my time and in, in, in building those out? Um, and I, yeah, I just think that's, that's something people are going to have to take ownership of. It's kind of like moving from like a defined benefit pension to like mm-hmm. managing your 401k yeah. but for like, I guess, skills and career. 
Yeah. Career skills. No, definitely. I think the, the direction strategy behind the career skills you're going to develop is so big. Um, so for you, what career skills are you developing now or thinking about investing in? Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. It sounds so, like the machine learning and AI stuff you were, you know, spending more time on. Yeah. Yeah. So, so recently I've, um, been trying to focus on reading like fundamental computer science papers and, mm -hmm. and things like that. And so um, I mentioned, I work with some really super intelligent Cornell computer science folks. Yes. Yeah. And I, I've de I'm definitely more on the practical engineering side. They're more on the research and development side, but I, I'm trying to make sure that I can play in that research and development space enough to know how to build a product out of what they're, they're working on. Yes. Um, so it's, it's a lot of like understanding how do you, how do you train machine learning models, things like that. I've, I've been reading academic papers and trying to get better about like, how can I sit down and go through this really dense paper with a lot of mathematics on it and get something, get something out of it. And it's like a lot of times it's like, I got to read it three, four, three, four times kind of thing. Um, yeah. And, and then I'm looking at, like Udacity and other resources like that. <clears throat> like it's kind of amazing how much material is just even available for free on YouTube and uh, invest in my skill set there. Yeah, no, it's, it, it's pretty remarkable the amount of free material. It's, it's all, you almost have to figure out and put blinders on and then go for one, one thing. Cause you could just spend all your time going through courses, tutorials. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of which, in your journey to, you know, get where you're at now, what courses, you know, resources, blogs, mentors did you have that were the most valuable or which ones would you recommend? Yeah. Um, so I, I guess out of, out of those first, I think the mentorship piece is the most important. Okay. Um, and I, I say that because like there, there are just so many options and like when I was, uh, going to, Illinois tech, mm -hmm. you know, I had a little bit of mentorship. That's kind of like, you know, here's sort of the different jobs that people do in the tech industry. And let's try to kind of align your skill set uh, with, with those different jobs to figure out where you might be able to have a good fit. And so that, that sort of thing has been really beneficial for me. Mm -hmm. And I've always been trying to make sure that I can identify someone that's, you know, like three to five years ahead of me and my progression to give me a little bit more actionable Intel. Um, so that's, uh, that's a mentorship piece in terms of the learning resources. Uh, it's totally like the, the golden age for that kind of stuff. And yeah. in particular, I'm, I'm incredibly excited about things like coding boot camps, Like we talked about yeah. full stack Academy. Mm -hmm. And the reason I really like that is it's, it's really compressed and it has a lot of the like intensity aspects that I like to military training. Yeah. And because you can really, you know, learn a skill and get to the point where you have like a portfolio of some things within a couple of months, you can sort of come up with these career hypotheses, hypotheses, and then evaluate them uh, quite a bit quicker. And like compare that to like, like the Illinois Tech multi-year program. Yeah. And you just don't get that kind of feedback. So like right now, um, especially if someone's interested in breaking into technology, mm -hmm. I really think like take a look at some of those coding boot camps um, and 
And if, if you're really attracted to something more serious, like a computer science program or a multi-year type of thing, like make sure you really kind of understand what you want to get out of it beforehand. And if mm-hmm. you're not like totally, you don't have a good idea, take a look at, you know, the boot camps, the Udacities, some of, some of these other resources to kind of fo- like focus your target a little bit. Yeah. Just so you can get out there after and see if, if what you're doing is something you know, what you're doing with this skill is something you'll even want to do for the long term. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's interesting. The way you put it, testing these career hypotheses, because it's, it's true. You have that really fast feedback cycle with some of these, uh, you know, on ramps to these careers like boot camps. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. I didn't think about that. That's a really good way to think about it though. Um, so I guess my next question for you, I just have two more would be, uh, for anyone out there that's, you know, thinking about switching jobs or is being forced to switch jobs, uh, what just general advice would you give to those people? Thinking about jobs being forced. So like, um, I, I definitely say like, first of all, you know, take care, take care of your, your physical health, your spiritual health, your mental health. Like, I think it's really easy to get discouraged and it's probably not as much of a problem right now in 2018 with the market growing hot, but you know, a year or two from now, things may be a little slower. We might be hitting some sort of recession or something that happens. Um, So just make sure that you have a a plan in place to stay fit, stay healthy, get your sleep, make sure you have someone to talk to about it. And then um, once you have that kind of, those basics laid out, like come just try to come up with a plan and break down into like bite-sized pieces as much as possible. Um, and then definitely get a mentor to kind of validate that it's the plan looks sound. That's good. <laughs> that's, I like that. That's That's like, that's like the military approach. Yeah. Get right. that, get that plan. That's awesome. No, I love it. That's, that's really good advice. Um, so the last question, the dreaded question, uh, uh-huh. Is there anything that I didn't ask you that I should have? Yeah. So I, I definitely thought about this one. Um, and, and the one thing that came to nice. mind, which we've, we've kind of talked about a little bit is yeah. um, different types of employers. So like mm-hmm. even within the technology space, like we talked about like the IBM stuff, the federal government stuff and the startups, yeah. and those are all like super different. And so I think um, even within like a particular skill set or like sector, uh, it's definitely worth thinking about the kind of the, the culture you want to work with, the size of the place. And I'm a little biased at this point, but I found that I'm, I'm, I'm happy, most happy working at a, like, uh, a startup that's hitting the, the point where they've got a little bit more product market fit and they're trying to scale out. Yeah. And the reason I like that is that it feels like the wind is kind of at your back. Like you were hiring new people all the time, yeah. teams are growing. And so there's like a lot of upward mobility that can pull you up and um, just make you step up your game. Um, obviously the hours can be a little bit more intense, but yeah. if for someone that's, that's really trying to, to learn, I would say like definitely think about um, one of those kind of mid-stage startup type things. And I often find that you can pretty effectively network um, into those sorts of positions and they're willing to hire or non-traditional candidates and career switchers and that sort of thing. Nice. Nice. That's awesome. That's awesome advice. Um, I definitely consider that route many times as Mm -hmm. well. So I like that one. Uh, Cool. Well, 
I'm going to uh, cut the recording and we can chat after, but uh, Sean, thank you for coming on. I really appreciate you sharing some of your you know, advice and some of your background. Thanks, Ian. Appreciate it.